Student Lacrosse fans to the second episode of the Utah Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Haslam, the current Sports Information Director for the Utah Men's Lacrosse Team. Before we begin, there are a few items of housekeeping. First, the annual Meet the Team Day has been set for February 24th at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Doors open at 6 p.m. It's a great event to come out and meet the staff, the team, win prizes, season tickets, gear, and more. The second item is a nod to our last podcast with head coach Brian Holman. Please give it a listen. I hope you'll enjoy. I'm honored today to have assistant coach Adam Gittleman on the show. Coach Gitz is the current defensive coordinator, and in addition to coaching, Gittleman also plays goalie for the Atlanta Blaze in the MLL. Before coming to Utah, Gittleman was the head coach of the University of Southern California club team. Prior to USC, Gitz served as an assistant coach at Harvard University for four years. During his time at Harvard, Gittleman helped the Crimson do what no other team had done in 24 years, winning an Ivy League championship. The feat helped earn Harvard an at-large berth to the NCAA tournament, its first since 2006, and sixth overall while elevating the Crimson to the highest ranking in program history at number 11. Gittleman played collegiately for the University of Virginia Cavaliers, where he was a two-time All-American and 2011 NCAA national champion. Gittleman started in goal that game, where he recorded nine saves and wrote to a 9-7 win over Maryland. Welcome to the show, Coach. How are you? Doing great. Just got off the mountain. I'm uh, teaching my girlfriend how to snowboard, and uh, it's a beautiful day outside, and really glad to be here. Uh, like yourself, uh, I've been really enthused by the podcast world, and I've been listening to Paul Rabel's podcasts, and uh, just looking forward to be on here, and, and thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, kind of a new idea that we're trying out. Uh, the, the first podcast got a lot of uh, good feedback, so... Here we are again. A couple of little technical difficulties with our studio on Monday. That's why this is coming out a little later. But um, we appreciate you, you being with us, Coach. Um, talk to me about the this team. You know, the the first part of this podcast is always going to be about the current team, the 2018 Utes, and then the second half we'll talk about just lacrosse uh, in general. Um, I talked to Coach Holman last time about tryouts with Scott Ratliff and Tom Schreiber coming out. Uh, we touched on that, and then the the fall ball trip to to San Francisco. Anything you want to talk about there? Anything you want to mention? Yeah, it's exciting for us to be back for our second year and and have some returners on the team uh, who really carried us a long way in our first year here. And for us, the most important part of what we've tried to accomplish uh, since day one is is embedding a really strong culture and foundation of how we want to play, how we want to connect with each other as a team, uh, developing chemistry and and uh, you know, it's been really great. We've been hitting the ground running since day one, and coming into this year, bringing back those guys, and, and now a new coop of uh, recruited freshmen. Uh, really excited about those guys. I think they've been great since day one. I think a lot of them have had to learn a lot. Uh, just, you know, how we want to be on the field, how we want to be off the field, how we want to work in the weight room. Um, but they've been really carrying on strong and have done a great job and and I think once we get to this point here where we're at in the preseason they're ready to play and uh, we're really excited to see them in action against a different team and a different colored jersey and and uh, it should be really exciting to see how they all develop over the next few weeks. Sure so uh, a couple quick talking points there um, I, I had one experience from fall ball that uh, that I wanted to mention we were on our way to play one of the games and you and I were sitting by each other on the bus and there was Dave Matthews playing on the on the loudspeakers, and I caught you humming it. <laughs> and uh, I uh, I don't know why that surprised me, but it did, and, and I loved it. So uh, you know, 
a little bit of shout out to shout out to Dave Matthews. Yes, and it's a strong <laughs> connection to Charlottesville. You know, right, I, right. they all started there, and um, you know, we we love to go to his concerts when he was in town, and he's sure. he's been a strong influence to me, sure. uh, just in the music world. So yeah, absolutely, it was a great connection. Absolutely, me too. Um, uh, back to the team, though. Uh, so you talked about a couple of returners. You talked about some new guys. The the uh, your your area of the field obviously is the defense, right? Um, that's kind of where you're uh, obviously the defensive coordinator. Uh, three D polls returning: Seth Neeleman, who was voted a captain; Devin Keefe and Nate Berger. Um, then then uh, by my counts, nine freshman polls and LSMs, and then one transfer in Aiden. Um, talk about. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about just kind of the culture, and and so those three returners. Talk about how that they've kind of helped those those new guys uh, acclimate. It's been great having those guys back. Their uh, understanding of the system we want to play in, how we want to play, uh, communication and lingo and terminology goes such a long way defensively. Where communication is such a pivotal piece of how you play, and just. You know, the mentality of who we want to be on defense. Sure. Um, I look at Seth. Uh, he has been, you know, he's continued to improve every day. And, and, you know, what he's doing for us in the defensive end, he didn't bat an eyelash last year. We asked him to play close, play long stick, face off. Yeah. Um, even, you know, riddled about him playing extra man for us. You know, and he's come back and he's really – uh, been great for us down low. He's, he's playing close for us right now, and we'll swing him up top too. Uh, we just want to get him on the field as much as we can. But those guys passing along um, how we want to play, and and you know from the Nexus and O standpoint, uh, they're they're right on cue, and it's just helping those younger guys come along, and it's helped their progression be much much faster. Uh, when you have great leaders on the defensive end who can who can carry those guys along and lead them um, and by by leading by example. Sure. Uh, along, along those lines, uh, Max Holmes is the the lone returning goalie. He featured in one game last year because he had a, that hand injury. Uh, but coming coming to the Utes, his transfer Daniel Costa, uh, freshman Zach Johns, and then uh, is Guckert, uh, freshman Jeff Guckert. Is he playing or is he gonna do more of a manager? I've, I've heard he's gonna of try and come back. Goal. You know, he got popped in the noggin a little bit with a shot, so he's been dealing with some concussion issues and. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward for all those guys this year. And Max has been a great asset for us. He's one of the scrappiest players on our team, um, and has really, again, you know, one of those returning guys that brings along the attitude of of who we want to be on the field and off the field, and really provided those guys with some guidance early in the year. You know, Daniel, coming from some some programs where. Um, he probably did some things differently, and Zach coming from high school, and, and Jeff coming from high school, where those guys um, aren't ne necessarily um, in tune with how we want the goalie play to be on the field, how you're setting sure. up before practice. You know, we expect those guys out there before, um, you know, getting themselves ready, and, and we ask a lot of that position. Sure. And for a lot of those guys, it's it's been quite a process in terms of growth, and you know, we still believe they they have a lot. To, to do in terms of development, but uh, we're happy with the strides they've made so far. Sure. What, uh, you know, obviously you're a goal yourself. Um, what do you look for in a goalie um, as they're coming out of high school? And then I guess where do you expect them to be sort of as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, um, you know, in, in their progression? There's a huge jump going from high school to college. Sure. But in terms of, you know, what we're looking for from for guys when we're recruiting or looking for a mold of guys, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I think a lot of guys can stop the ball, but 
but what is your demeanor? What is your, or, you know, what, how much poise and presence do you have in the cage? And I think that's something that Brian and I are lucky to have when we're going out there and recruiting is that, you know, it's not necessarily I can point to specific things and give you a checklist of what sure. these things look like, but it's almost like there's a mosaic of how it looks to us in our eyes, how they stand, how they hold themselves, how they pass the ball, how they communicate to their defense, how they react to success and failure, giving up a goal sure. or making a save. Um, and do they have some skill outside the cage? Can they pick up a ground ball and pass it? Can they throw a ball upfield to create transition? You know, that's what we're looking for here in University of Utah is to play up and down. And if you have that seventh stick on the defensive end, you got another guy out there that's that's has the opportunity to pick up a ground ball, sure. or you know you have a guy who can throw a pass up of, up in front of the field, and you know that's what we've asked of those guys you know coming in is you know we think you all can stop the ball great, and we're gonna coach you up on technique and positioning and how to move in the cage, but right. can you lead a defense? Sure. Um, can you be accountable to yourself? Can you be there in the fourth quarter when we need to stop? Um, and those are the things we really look for in developing our goalies here. So uh, talking about, um, you know, a little bit about being that seven stick coming out of the cage, you say, hey, go watch my highlights <laughs> because you're one of the most active goalies outside. Of the uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. I, I, just, I just try to enable them as much sure. as I can, and, and we sure. drill it. You know, they're not, um, they're not running uh, passing drills while we're doing full contact ground ball drills. Sure. They're in those drills. Yeah. Um, and, and we're constantly just supporting them. And, and you know, we're, if we're in a drill and they throw a pass over the top and it doesn't connect, we're still encouraging them to sure. throw that pass. Sure. And, you know, when it comes to the game, the game's going to be slower for them, and that pass will connect. Uh, without getting too much into, you know, X's and O's, what are, what are some of your defensive philosophies, uh, you know, that you're trying to instill in, in this team, but then just sort of sort of overall? I've learned a lot. I've been really lucky to have some great mentors throughout my career, great coaches. Um, my high school coach, Dennis Bond, ran a really strong defense, uh, being able to play under Coach Starja, and even what we were able to accomplish in 2011, running a zone defense. So I've, I've played over a, a really structured defenses. I've played you know, goalie behind a defense that's very aggressive and wants to get out and um, try to cause turnovers with athleticism. And I've also played behind a zone. So to me, just being able to be great in a lot of different instances and being dynamic as a defense is really important to me. But mostly important like in the sense of the fundamentals of defense and, and coaching those guys to be really strong in how they see the game and developing IQ in situations for our defense is really important. In, in my view, um, you know, I'm trying to coach those guys quasi-college, quasi-MLL and sure. what we see and what we have to do in the pro league. You know, I, th I think um, this year we're going to have a, a lot of advantages in, in how we play defense. And, we, you know, we're really excited about an innovation we're going to be using this year uh, that I think is really going to bode well for us at the back end of games and towards the back end of the season. I'm not going to tell you anything about it just yet. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll start yeah. to see it as the season goes on. But we're looking to be different. And Coach Holman, since day one, that's been – something he's always encouraged us to do as coaches is to think outside the box. You know, we have this incredible uh, atmosphere and environment here at the University of Utah where, um, you know, we can, we can start to develop a program the way we want to see, see it and experiment and try things out. And 
really excited about some things that we have going on on the field right now and looking forward to seeing it play out in games. Sure. Uh, a couple th couple things that I wanted to touch on with that. Um, when, when Coach and I talked uh, last week, um, he did he did mention uh, the advantage of being in the MCLA for two years as a staff where you can kind of experiment a little bit, uh, kind of get to know each other. And then, you know, obviously next year when you jump into the NCAA, you have that experience. Talk about what kind of how that's been sort of that process. Do you guys feel pressure? I know you guys are, are fierce competitors, but do you feel pressure to win this season or is it still sort of uh, uh, preparing for next season? How do you how do you juggle that? We have just stayed as present as humanly possible with yeah. everything, just taking it day by day to develop the guys that are here and on our team and continue to improve as coaches, develop our chemistry as a staff, continue to develop you know, who we want to be and how we want to play. And, and um, you know, we're so lucky to have great experiences from Carolina, UMass, Johns Hopkins, Virginia. Uh, and uh, you know, we're still developing that. But I think we have such a great sense of consistency in, in who we are and how we want to play. And our ideologies are, you know, at this point, we, all, we know what we want. Sure. And uh, we're not looking ahead to next year. We know that if we just stay day by day trying to improve as coaches and improve our players, we will be ready to go when that time comes. Sure. And we're just so fired up for this year. Um, our goal is to win a championship. You know, we want to go out there every game and put our best foot forward and, and compete and we'll see how the chips fall when, when, you know, the final whistle blows. Sure. Um, one thing uh, I wanted to talk about as well is, is your film. Um, from, from my brief observations, it, you know, you seem like the film guy on the staff. Uh, you're the most excited to get it after the games. Um, excited to break it down. What, what, uh, what are some tips maybe that you could give other coaches or, or players who are looking at film uh, when it comes to film, what what are specific things you're looking for? Um, how often do you watch it? Do you watch other people's film? Yeah. All all of that stuff. Talk about film. Yeah, we we watch film every day. You know, we're 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 taking video of practices as much as we humanly can with the access that we have with technology. We've been blessed uh, working with Coach McDermott has set us up with a company called Scorebreak, which was started by Jordan Hendry, who's a former teammate of mine with the Denver Outlaws, which is eventually going to give us uh, live film in the games. In terms of film and, and uh, cutting it up for our players, you know, there's subjective cutting and editing to show stuff that we need to show, but I really truthfully believe that it's, it's an art form in how you cut film and what you look for and what you see as a coach. And... Brian, Marcus, Will, and I will see different things, and sure. that's the beauty of it. But for us, it's to see where we are. You know, where are we right now? What things are we doing well? What things do we need to improve upon? And you know, one of the things I really love about film is developing drills from what you see happen spontaneously on the field. That's one of the most fun things to me as a coach is seeing a microcosm of the game of lacrosse happen on the field that's unscripted but seeing so much value in that in the development of your team sure. and then structuring drills that you can do in practice to really help your team improve. Um, and then it just helps us be accountable as coaches, hold our players accountable to how we want to play technique-wise, structure, et cetera, and to just give them immediate feedback. You know, If you're trying to really improve as a team and as an individual, getting that immediate feedback to us is really important for our players.
So from a standpoint of, of using film, it's, I think it's really important. I also, um, my, my favorite thing is to watch film from decades ago sure. and watch that film and see how the game was played and incorporate it in how we're playing now. That was, to me, lacrosse being played back then, the stick work, the speed, you know, just the audacity and how uh, it was played sure. is what we're looking for. Yeah. You know, we want to we want to turn the game back on its head and, and, and make it a little bit more unscripted in ways, but how can you take advantage of some of those scenarios? And, um, you know, and that's a big thing for us as a, as a program and for our players is developing that sense of pride in the game that our that our players have. And we love to show them film of Syracuse, Hopkins, Virginia. Yeah. We'll be showing them UMass film tonight. Um, so, you know, we, we want to integrate all the, those tremendously positive values of all these other programs into who we are. Sure. And we think that through that, some of that film, our players learn and see that through a little bit of osmosis. Sure. What uh, last question? Talking about sort of our our current team. Uh, what what are you looking forward to most about this upcoming season? The competition. Yeah. I don't think we're sneaking up on anyone this year, and I love that. You know, that's what I'm used to. Uh, when I was a player in college, it was Utah's going to be circled on every calendar, and that's what you want. You know, if you want to be the best, you got to compete against the best. And I think our schedule is great. Uh, we've got a great opportunity coming up, playing three games in just a few days. Uh, and see where we are. Um, and ultimately for us is, to, is, is what can we build on from last year, you know, to come out and to surprise some people and um, to win a regular season conference championship. Uh, you know, we want to start to now talk, tack some other things off. Sure. Uh, we want to win the conference championship. You know, we want to get into the national championship. We want to get past the first round. And, you know, we want to beat BYU. Sure. Um, this guy's certainly proved to us who they are and um, how tremendous their tradition is and how strong their program is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what kind of strides can we take in the, in the past year to, to get to that level and see where we, where we can be against the best of the best. Sure. Uh, for those who don't know, the MCLA tournament will be in, in Utah this year in Salt Lake City out at the regional complex. Uh, it's a great venue. There's a dozen, dozen or so fields. Um, it's, it's just going to be a fun time. If you haven't been to the MCLA tournament in general, it is a good time, especially those first two days. It's kind of got a March Madness feel to it where there's a bunch of games going on uh, at the same time, you know, and so maybe take off school that day or, or work to come out and, and see those. Um, it's going to be a good time. Let, let's transition into the sort of the general lacrosse or the Western lacrosse expansion. Um, Talk, talk to uh, talk to us about your your what Paul Rabel calls your origin story. How how did you get involved in lacrosse? Um, were you always a goalie? Did you play at other positions? All all that good stuff. Oh wow! I was really lucky. Um, you know, I was always really enthused by sports. I played baseball. I played soccer when I was really young, and uh, changed schools when I went and moved to elementary school and and walked into school and and saw these kids playing lacrosse and. Uh, next thing you know, I, I tried out for the soccer team and made it, and my coach was the lacrosse coach. His name is Mike Winkoff. He runs the FLG program on Long Island. And my best friends uh, you know, became my lacrosse teammates. Sure. And starting out, I was playing midfield and a little bit of goalie. When we played soccer, I was the soccer goalie, okay. and we had a great team. We won a yeah. state championship when I was 11 years old. Yeah. You know, we uh, When I first started playing, they – um, they tossed me in the cage, and you know, I, I, 
I had the, you know, a few of those screws loose. I had a, you know, my brother is just a year younger than I am. So, so we were, were really competitive against each other, um, both in the backyard and all over the house. I'm sure, sure. if you talk to my mom, a few broken windows <laughs> yeah. between then and now. Um, and I was playing midfield and playing goalie, splitting games half and half. Uh, I had a great friend who was also a goalie in my same grade. So all the way even up till ninth grade, I was playing midfield and then for the second half, going in the goal sure. to try and be like a closer okay. uh, as a goalie. And then ninth grade comes around. Uh, I tried out for the varsity team, and I fully committed to playing the goaltender position. But I still see a lot of those experiences I had playing out in the field translating to who I am and what, how my style is as a goalie now. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think that's apparent. <laughs> if anyone <laughs> yeah. watches you, yeah. cool. That's for sure. Uh, what do you consider your greatest lacrosse accomplishment so far? Uh, well... I, I got to say, you know, um, winning the championship in 2011, the NCAA championship, uh, in terms of just team dynamic and, and how we were able to um, battle through a lot of adversity, both through our roster and um, losing some games, and then what we went through as, as a class, uh, that 2011 class, just in our time at Virginia, um, it really spoke to the really the true power of sport. Um, and that was a tremendous experience for me. And and presently, um, just still being able to compete at the highest level, uh, being able to be an all-star in the MLL. And personally, um, you know, what's become a true passion of mine is to travel and, and, and coach the game in countries all over the world. I'm really looking forward to continuing to, to strengthen that part of my life. And it's been, it's been really um, a phenomenal piece of Marcus Will, Scott's, you know, Scott Ratliff has been a huge part of that in the past few years for me. So... Um, we're looking to do a little bit more of that as we move forward. You, uh, you must have read the script because that was the next question. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, uh, you went to uh, Southern America to, to, to teach lacrosse, right? What, I, I guess, how do those, how do those trips uh, originate? And then, like, who are you contacting in these areas? And then talk about just kind of the experience of being there. We're just thankful, you know, in a time, in an era of social media, uh, we can try and connect with these programs in all over the world. Uh, this past summer, uh, a crew of us went out to Europe and were able to coach in Barcelona. We were able to coach in, in Portugal. And it all was through connection through social media and just the spark of a message, a direct message, um, a tweet. Sure. You know, just started the conversation. And um, it's just been a little bit more so on us getting out there and uh, those programs have been phenomenal going down to South America you know it's been it was the second year for Scott Ratliff and I going down to Nicaragua to work with lacrosse the nations which is a tremendous organization um, helping a ton of people and a ton of kids uh, inspire them um, to be them best their best selves in Nicaragua and um, and as we were down there and, and sort of planning that trip uh, we we really wanted to uh, continue to travel, and, and we connected with some incredible, incredible people in Argentina who are extremely passionate about lacrosse, and we're able to connect with them and spend some time in Buenos Aires, went all the way down to the southern tip of Argentina, yeah. and you know, that's the beauty of it, is to be able to spread the game and meet great people who are passionate about the game of lacrosse, while also expanding yourself as a person, and sure. Um, experiencing new cultures and new places and, and just being able to travel with great friends has been um, it's been one of the greatest things of, in my my life the past three years sure 
Not that uh, we're looking ahead to this summer, but uh, any any spoiler alerts on on uh, any plans? You know yet? Or? You got to talk to Scott Ratliff. Yeah, every year now, the group that's going out there appoints uh, whoever was the quote unquote rookie for the next year. They become the location scout. Okay. So Scott uh, Scott knows he's. Yeah. He's uh, divulged some of the information to me, but I don't want to leak it just yet. Uh, sure. Marcus and Will don't know, um, okay. and uh, it's it's going to be great. Uh, I want to talk about expansion uh, in in the West, uh, Western United States, but then also expansion in some of these some of these developing countries. What what do you foresee as sort of the future for like in Argentina or in, or in Nicaragua or, or Barcelona? What do you what do you kind of see? Do you, what what kind of path are they trajecting on? I think all those programs have different needs and different qualities, positive qualities to their programs. For programs like Barcelona and Argentina, they've got a great group of guys that are really enthusiastic about the sport. They have FIL uh, affiliation. They're going to play in the world games. And what I see in their development is that those guys turning back around and developing youth programs. Sure. So now the growth of the game reciprocates where they now create a next generation of players. Okay. What I see in Nicaragua is they've done a great job is that their kids are playing. Those, the young kids in the schools are playing lacrosse. And now those kids end up growing up and becoming the leaders of the Lacrosse the Nations program. So they become coaches, they become officials, they become directors, and that's how they're developing a lot of strength sure. in the foundation of their program. So a lot of these organizations have started at different times. A lot of, uh, they've picked it up at different ages. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the timeline of where their programs are, it's very case by case. Sure. And um, you know that's a big, Motivation for, for myself is, is to find out more about these programs and how we can help. And, um, you know, really looking forward to, to you know, that becoming a, a, a big passion of mine moving forward is supporting those programs, not only just for my personal travel, but how can we get them the equipment? You know, what are some things we can do to make it a little bit more affordable? Uh, they've got shipping costs, uh, you know, problems with getting stuff through customs that they need to deal with. So, um, you know, just learning so much more about that, and it's really become a, a huge drive for me and going to continue to do more to support those types of programs. When we're talking about some of these countries, are we talking about tens of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people? How, how many people are playing lacrosse? How many, how many lacrosse sticks are yeah. in Nicaragua? You know, are they less than we think, more than we think? You uh, you're looking at a few hundred right okay. now. Um, but we all know um, in the domestic U.S., a few hundred could turn into a few thousand, yeah. and a few thousand turns into a hundred thousand. Sure. Um, and just getting them the capabilities to do that and to grow the game, and and just allowing, giving them you know a little bit of consultation on 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 how to go about it. Yeah. But it it also becomes physical, financial, and equipment wise, and get them some coaching. Um, try to inspire more and more people to do what we're doing, and say, hey, I want to go to Thailand. I want to sure. go to Australia. I want to go to New Zealand. Okay, well, who do we know there? How can we connect yeah. you? And, you know, I think just using the portal that we have is great communication with social media and email and, um, and us having our experiences with these, these different programs is, is just being a, just providing that middleman to them and, and act as a liaison to support these programs with coaching too. Sure. How do you see uh, expansion in the, in the Western United States? kind of unfolding you know you, you talked about growing up on long island in, in new york 
uh, playing at, at Virginia. I mean, what what if someone came to you and said, "Hey, uh, in you know, in eight years, there's going to be a Division One program at Utah." You know, what would, what would you thought? What do you think? Oh man, you know, I I was one of the cool things I think about when I think about the growth of the game, and it might sound a little, eh, it's not weird, but. Back in the day, I used to I used to just be a lacrosse rat, and I used to go to Lacrosse Unlimited, and they had this run of shorts where they had all the colleges, yeah. and you had Notre Dame and Maryland, and everyone wanted Hopkins, everyone wanted Virginia, but there was a UC Santa Barbara pair of shorts okay. out there. You know, there was a Texas pair of shorts, and to me, when I saw those, I was always like really enthusiastic sure. about. The thought of that being real, you know, USC, uh, I went out there to try and coach them um, and, and had a great year in, in L.A. And, and, you know, it's, it's been my goal since I, since I graduated from college to just help the game grow. And, uh, you know, to think of ultimately the, the road that I crossed to come here and, and Brian making that phone call to me after my first year in, in California – um, it just wasn't something that I could pass up because Utah really is such a such a balancing point for our game, and um, I just see the game continuing to grow. More and more people are enthusiastic about it. the The access to it is phenomenal. Uh, we want to continue to support that access at the professional level, but the college access is fantastic. You can get and watch lacrosse on YouTube. Sure. At any hour, you know, and, sure. and kids are learning to play the game at an even higher level. And, um, you know, it's, just, it's really exciting to see. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the next three, five, ten years with our game. And um, it's all going to be great. Sure. Um, I, I, uh, after Utah made the announcement to, uh, you know, basically have a Division One team, there was a person who tweeted, how does this actually help grow the game? You know, and, and so I've thought about it, you know, because essentially, uh, you know, we're taking an MCLA team. Um, and, and so, you know, say that there's 35 guys on that roster. Uh, when it goes to Division One. you know, some of those guys will carry over, some won't. So in terms of, like, actual collegiate players, you may not be growing the game, right? But how does having a Division One program, uh, not only in Utah, but in, you know, the furthest west, the first one in the Pac-12, how does that actually grow the game? I just think of it like a ripple effect. You know, you have our staff here on campus. We're trying to coach as much as we can. We're trying to impact as many players, as many local coaches. And if we can rise the level of, of that, that's only going to continue to pass itself on. And for me, what I continue to see is when those young players come to a Utah game and they watch a game being played at a high level, it develops this dream within themselves I want to be that guy. Sure. You know, when I used to go to Hofstra games, when I used to go to games down at Princeton, those were the local really good schools for me to go watch. I saw Trevor Tierney play at Princeton, and I, I want to be that guy. Sure. You know, and it changed my life. Yeah. Um, so the impact that we can make on the field coaching, but more importantly, you know, the impact we're going to make on the younger generation and developing dreams for these kids is, is really the impact I, I'm so excited about with lacrosse being here in Utah. Yeah, and, and the, the thought I had when you said that is maybe instead of a kid coming to a, a lacrosse game and saying, oh, I love lacrosse, but I really want to be such and such football player, 
now they, they're saying, man, I love lacrosse. I want to be such and such Utah attackman. Yeah. You know? and, and maybe their path will then lead them more towards <laughs> lacrosse than another sport. Not that we hate other sports. We love other sports. I want to be Aaron Felstead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like that answer. I like that a lot. Um, let's, uh, what's it like? Um, so I've got a couple, couple other questions. Uh, what, do you, what do you think is, is maybe limiting growth? not only in the West, but just kind of nationwide. Is it equipment like we've kind of talked about? Is it the cost of entry, that barrier of entry? Is it the lack of refs, coaches, or is it just sort of everything and we just need more of everything? Yeah, I think we just need to be patient uh, when it comes to the coaching, uh, the officials, all that's continuing to improve. And there's, and there's more and more people diving into those professions and that's really exciting and people are so enthusiastic about doing those things they they have such a thirst for learning even the coaches here in Utah are coming to our practices we're running coaches clinics we're trying to pass on as much knowledge as we can and you know again in the world we live in the sharing of knowledge and information is is so seamless to me the biggest barrier is the cost of entry um, you know when you when you look at um, the cost of goods to to play the game, it's it's hard. Um, you know, like when you look at sports like hockey and lacrosse, uh, it's 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 a lot to say. Okay, I'm going to go play, and then you're talking about how much it costs to play for a club team or a rec team. All that encapsulated is a lot for for a family. Um, so, you know, that's that's another movement that I'm really excited to see with with companies like String King and Warrior stepping up and yeah. And sort of lowering the price of the goods and starting to set a standard um, around uh, passing the game along. Uh, you look at Harlem Lacrosse and what they've done, um, and just again, just creating these amazing dreams for these kids and this inspiration and hope for them and uh, what lacrosse can be. So you know, I think I think if we can continue as a as a sport, um, you know, it, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but. If we can be innovative, if we can find ways to make the equipment cost less, more and more kids can jump on in and play. And I think, too, um, one of the things that I love about uh, the Strinking Complete Sticks and how they're strung, and the Warp, too. They both throw the ball consistently. Yeah. So when a kid picks up a stick, you really hope that at least by the time he's done playing, he can he can throw a pass straight. And sure. sometimes kids are picking up these sticks that are hand-me-downs that have rips in the <laughs> knots and all that stuff, have too much channel and sure. all that stuff. And the ball just goes right to the ground and the kids discourage. But what we're seeing now is is these companies like String King really taking a step forward and, and putting together these sticks, the, the complete junior sticks that they have, um, are really going to pay a dividend down the line for, for kids – not only just being intrigued by the sport and say, hey, I want to try it, but also saying, oh, my gosh, like yeah. I've caught a ball <laughs> and passed a ball and scored a goal sure. all in the same practice. Mom, when are we going back? <laughs> you know? Right. Cool. Um, I, I like that. Be patient. Be patient with growth. Yeah. And it'll come. I like that a lot. Um, with Coach Holman, I talked a lot of uh, – he and I talked a lot about the, the pillars of Utah lacrosse. Um, I don't know that we need to go into each one, but do you have a favorite pillar – uh, that, that you look on, you know, Coach Holman talked a lot about how the pillars are kind of guiding lights, you know. Um, when, when things are going wrong, you look towards the pillars. When things are going right, you, you look towards the pillars. What, what, uh, what do you think about the pillars? I think 
It was the first thing that Coach Holman sent me when he was looking to get me on board with the staff, and it just lit up. You know, I, my experiences with Coach Holman were so phenomenal from the moment I met him. You know, I was an assistant coach at Harvard. I was going down to Carolina to run camps, and we were with the goalies, and we really got to know each other. And um, it really just speaks to who he is and the strength of the foundations of of who he is as a person and, and what he sees as um, the foundation of what our program wants to be. To me, um, when I look at the pillars, I, I think of gratitude. Um, you know, I, I feel it every day. I feel it, you know, just being so lucky to be here and, and to have the opportunity to build something from the ground up. And for our players, you know, there you can go through so many ups and downs and adversity and success. But when you have your foundation and being grateful for what you have, uh, whether it's, you know, being able to practice on that amazing practice field that we have in the morning when the sun comes up over the mountains and we stop practice and say, we are just so lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what it always comes down to for me. And it's, it's the value of that pillar in my life has changed my life. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I just, it, it always comes down to that for me. Perfect. Awesome. Um, I have, a, I have a bunch more questions here, but I think we'll save them for a future episode. All right. How does that sound? I get a part two. Yeah, get a part two. All you right. pass part one. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of rapid fire questions. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Holman tweeted in. He actually did. He <laughs> what, uh, what's your favorite field you've played on or coached on? Oh, wow. I would say playing uh, would have to be Kapalani Park in Hawaii, okay. uh, right, under, right underneath Diamond Head there. The, yeah. They run an, an annual tournament. Uh, in Hawaii, and I've been lucky enough to play with the Wimmer Solutions teams over the past few years. Um, to have coached, there is this wonderful field in Lake Tahoe that Chris Rotelli and Advanced Lacrosse run their camps at that is spectacular. It's just one field, but you're in the mountains, you're right by Squaw, sure. um, and it's, it's for anyone who's been there or coached there will probably attest it is, it is quite the place. Awesome. What uh, so I learned my lesson with Coach Holman on this one, not to ask what book you're reading, but what books? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> well, I don't have six ready, <laughs> but um, I'm currently I currently have three. Just finished one, so we'll call it two. Um, the one book I just got from Coach Holman, like he was talking about, we love to share books yeah. and articles, and you know, if there's anything about our staff, it's having a growth mindset. Um, he passed along a book called Siddhartha. It's a novel about the Buddha and his trials and tribulations in, in finding him, himself and also yeah. losing his self or um, ridding himself of his sure, self. Sure. Um, I'm reading a book that Coach Manny just passed down to me. Uh, it's all about Steve Young. Uh -huh. uh, just started it last night, about 10, 15 pages in. Really excited to just learn more about Steve Young, he wore number eight, and he was one of my favorite players when I was um, a young athlete. And I just finished a book. It is a crime thriller called The Snowman. Oh. Uh, it's set in Oslo, Norway. Okay. Um, I actually, you know, don't get me wrong here. I, do, I love a good crime thriller. Um, you know, uh, The Bone Collector and Seven are yeah. movies that I really enjoy. They sure. are a little intense. Uh, for your, for our young audience, but um, yeah, I like to mix it up. I love to to learn about um, you know personal development. I love to learn read about sports and great athletes. I love to mix in fiction. Sure. Um, so 
if I ever have three books, it's probably sort of those genres. Um, so, yeah, it's a look into my uh, into my yeah, reading life right it. now. Um, Steve Young was the reason I'm a 49ers fan. Wow. So it's not paying dividends now. But, uh, it did when <laughs> I, I was think little. they'll be all right with Garoppolo. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, what podcast are you listening to? I I'm listening to Suiting Up. That was uh, one of the one of the podcasts that really started to intrigue me mm-hmm. in this in this realm of of, of audio. Um, I I love Paul and what he's doing for our sport, but how he's continuing to transcend lacrosse and and just branch it out into all other other avenues yeah. and. The guests he's bringing on are, are fantastic. Um, it's always really intriguing to me who'll be next. Um, How I Built It is another podcast. I believe that's what it's called. Um, that one's phenomenal. I have, I, I, I feel I have an entrepreneurial spirit, and I love hearing about how companies and businesses were formed, how ideas were executed on, um, and just the, the adversity and, and trials that they go through to, to get to where they want to be. And I'd like to use that information into our program here sure um, we're we're loving where we're at but it's not going to be easy and it hasn't been easy at certain parts but um you know that's that's something that again transcends into how i think about the season too the ups and downs and how you deal with it um it goes a long way absolutely uh winter olympics start today you a winter olympics guy summer olympics guy i love the winter olympics yeah. i love the summer olympics i love any environment where there's that high level of competition sure. and you're and you're competing for your nation um i love snowboarding <laughs> i just got off the mat- mountain sure. uh, with my girlfriend i'm teaching her how to snowboard i'm really excited for that um i love i love hockey um and and you know those are probably my two favorite sports i, I love look, watching the the bobsledding or the tobogganing yeah. i like the the what's the competition where they're you know shooting bows and arrows and then jumping on their cross-country skis and that (laughs) that one i i'm I'm gonna gonna watch it more intently and i'll give you give you a really good answer (laughs) but um snowboarding and hockey are are two of my favorite sports um so i'll be looking forward to watching those awesome last uh last question what's your favorite part about utah oh wow um it's been incredible being here in the state i would say if I had to think of something, it'd probably be the adventure that it affords you. Uh, being able to travel to the national parks, having so many really cool places that I've never had the experience of be- going to. Jackson Hole, uh, you know, Sedona, Arizona. You got Lake Tahoe not too far away. Denver is seven or eight hours to the east. Um, you know, the adventure that it affords, I've had so many novel experiences going out to Moab. And you can tell, ask Coach McDermott about our story trying to off-road down there and being in Zion and hiking with Marcus and Will, one of our first free weekends here. So that, that, that's that been really great, um, and that's, that's a big part of my life. And being here, um, it's everything you could possibly have. You know, you have all the snowboarding and skiing resorts and so much hiking and just so much natural beauty around you that you can't help but want to get out there and, and experience it. Yeah, I, I agree. That's why I stay here. <laughs> That's one of the reasons. Families are probably. Uh, thanks for coming on, though, Coach. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much. If you want to follow us on social media, you're more than welcome. Uh, the team account is at Utah Lacrosse on uh, Instagram and Twitter. On Facebook, you can search for University of Utah Men's Lacrosse. Coach, uh, you want to give us your, your handles? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It is Adam 
eight, number eight, uh, Taylor. And uh, looking forward to seeing you guys. Thanks for listening in. And Tim, thanks for having me. It was a great experience. Yeah, thanks for coming down. If you have any feedback for us, go ahead and, and uh, shoot me an email. It's tim at utesthecross.com. You can uh, send us tweets or whatever, whatever you need to uh, if you have any suggestions or questions. If not, uh, we've got our first game in 10 days. No, a week. Yes. We leave in a week for Southern California. So eight days, uh, we'll be at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. They're on the coast. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next week.